Will you um, pray with me? Just open up your hands. Lord, we come in this moment not to be entertained, not to check something off a list, not to merely just say we did it because it was a requirement. Lord, we come into this place because we desire to hear from you, the living God. And so we invite you in, King of glory. Holy Spirit, have your way. Will you just pray, God, give me ears to hear. Speak, God, your servant is listening. God has a word for you. Not the person next to you, not the person in front of you. He has a direct word to you. The power of his Holy Spirit. He wants to open your eyes to see and your ears to hear. A fresh, a fresh outpouring of his spirit and the truth of his word. So Lord, fill my mouth with your words. Lord, I pray that this message that you have brought upon my heart the share of these next two days as the ability to set so many people in this room free. Jesus, that's my heart. Lord, that you would set them free because that's why you came. That everywhere you went, you set men and women free from the chains and the bondage that held them. And so God, I, I pray that you would start today, begin right now to break free, break us free from the chains of comparison, that we may live in the fullness of the life that you have for us. Lord, I love you. And I thank you for you are glorious and you are worthy. Jesus, you are beautiful and magnificent. You, you picked us up out of the miry mud. You placed our feet upon a solid rock. You died our death we should have died. You bore our stripes. Our, our very shame was put upon you and our guilt so that we could become righteous and holy before you. You've given us the power of the Holy Spirit, the same power that raised Christ from the dead is the same power that rises and is working within us. We are more than a conquerors in Christ Jesus for you provided all things in and through Christ. And so may Christ be magnified in us, through us, and even in spite of us today. God, we love you and we thank you. It's in the name of Jesus Christ and give God a big shout of praise. Can we do that? Amen. Give him a shout of you're coming along. It's all right to get excited. If you have your Bibles, 1 Samuel 18. Thank you, Dr. White, from that incredible um, introduction. And I've been praying about what God would like for me to share with you over these next two days, which I have the privilege to share. And really, it's a sermon that began probably 12 years back. 12 years back, I was in a dark spot in my life. I was struggling. I just felt like um, the world was overwhelming. Everything was going great. Family was going great. My ministry was going great. But inside, something was breaking. And I was hurting. And I didn't really know what to do. And I kept trying to fix me, and I couldn't fix me. And where do you go when you're a pastor and you can't fix your own self? And so I, I just, I kept struggling and struggling. And finally, one day I woke up and I had incredible pain in my chest and um, it continued to go stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. And I turned to my wife and said, babe, I have a heart attack. I'm Jesus, I'm coming. I'm coming, Lord, I'm coming. I mean, it was just like pounding, you know. And uh, so I, I went to the doctor and he checked me out. He said, you don't have a heart attack. And then I said, what's wrong? He says, you're having an anxiety attack. And I said, I'm a pastor. I'm not supposed to be anxious. And he says, well, you're having an anxiety attack. And I had in that moment to begin to engage in my life and examine my heart like I've never had before. 
Above all else, guard your heart. From it flows the very aspects of life. And so I want to share with you some of the things that brought depression and anxiety and this struggle in my life. And over these two days, reveal to you some of the things that God has taught me. I wish we had a lot more time. It goes on and on. But really, I want to hit on two things, comparison. And then tomorrow, we're going to talk about toxic thoughts. So first of all, I want to begin just this idea asking a question. It's probably one of the most profound questions you can ask in your life. Where do you look to prove your worth? Where? Because see, this isn't a religious thing. This is a, a people thing that God wired you, that God designed you, that all of us look for someone or something to prove a worth. We, we want to know, how do I know I'm not failing at life? How do I know that I'm being successful. So how do I know my life has meaning? My life has purpose. How do I know? What measuring rod do you use in your life to determine where you're at in life? And that question is so fundamental because the reality is what you determine is, you, is this is where I'm at. This is where I'm going. This is how I know I'm worthy. How I know I might have, my life has meaning. How I know I'm happy. Whatever that is for you, the direction of your life will aim to that. And so many times what happens in our lives is in order to feel like we are somebody, that, that we don't stink at life. As we look around us, we look at him, we look at her, look at them, look at that, and we look at it, and in our minds we compare our life to theirs. And that's in, in that moment, it gives us this sick, twisted ugh, kind of feeling. And if we don't learn how to break free from that comparison, it's going to destroy you. In fact, I believe it's an epidemic that's destroying you. And so if there was ever a person who really gave us an example of the cycle of comparison, in fact, you could probably create a, it's the Netflix documentary and scripture on comparison, it's King Saul. The setting of 1 Samuel 18, is it? Saul, you know, was elected king and he can't fight Goliath, but then David shows up, defeats Goliath. And in that moment, David goes from a nobody to a somebody and David goes like viral, not like viral. I'm talking like uber viral before uber viral was a word. Now everybody sees David. They want to dress like David. They want to wear the kicks like David. David's walking down the street. They're taking selfies with David. I mean, it's incredible. David blows up, y'all. And Saul sees this, and David is doing some great things. So Saul says, okay, I'm going to use this to my advantage. Verse 5, whatever mission Saul sent him on, David was so successful that Saul gave him a high rank in the army. And this pleased all the troops and Saul's officers as well. And when the men were returning home after David had killed the Philistine, they're just kind of walking back from war. They had won the battle. The women came out from all the towns of Israel to meet King Saul with singing and with dancing and with joyful songs, with trembles and lyres. And as they danced, they sang. This is a cool little ditty. It's number one on Spotify. <laughs> Registered platinum. Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. I mean, he, this is like Taylor Swift writing a song for two guys, right? You, you know you're viral when Taylor Swift starts mentioning you in a, name, in a song. So they're singing this little ditty. I don't know how it goes. I'm not a good singer, you know. Saul is slain the thousands. David is 10,000. I'd put it probably to a 90s beat. That's just my genre. But uh, it says something interesting. Verse 8, this is what caught my eye. I love the scripture. Because it gives you insights 
that happened thousands of years ago, but yet you can relate to it. It says Saul was very, notice the superlative, very what? Usually when I talk and I ask that, people respond back. So let's try it again. Saul was very what? Angry. Why was he angry? Hold on, hold on, hold on. They won the battle. I mean, I can understand if he got his rump kicked. I can understand if he lost. Do you get this? They won the battle. They won it. The economy's going good. Everything's going great. But Saul is not just a little angry. I mean, he's ticked off, very angry. And this refrain displeased him. Literally, I love that word. It means something broke within him. Something became broken within him very greatly. What was he so mad about? What made him so angry even after winning the battle? They have credited, oh, there it is. They credited David with tens of thousands, he thought, but me with only a thousand. What more can he get but the kingdom? And here's the danger. Here's the danger. Here's the danger. And from that time on, Saul kept an eye on David. What's David wearing? Who's David talking to? Who's showing up and sitting with David at Chuck's? How many likes does David have? What about David? What about David? What about David? What about David? His mind gets consumed on focusing on David. He's comparing his life to David, to David, to David, to David, to David. Verse 14, in everything David did, he, did, he had great success because the Lord was with him. And when Saul saw how successful he was, he was afraid of him. He was fearful. He was locked in this anxiety, in this depression, in this misery, not outside. Everything was going well out here. But what he was doing in the moment, he was breathing in this poison of comparison. In fact, Proverbs 14, 30 says, a heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy, it rots you from the inside. It rots the very bones. It's inside of you. It's inside of you. I believe comparison is one of the greatest sources of your anxiety, your stress, and your misery in our current day. I believe that. I believe that inside of you, that your eyes, you might not be looking at porn, but you go on social media and you breathe in comparison like fentanyl and it's destroying you. Never before have you had a front row seat to compare your life to literally millions of people every single second of every single day. And you're going, woo, I didn't go on porn today. But yet you destroyed yourself by breathing in because look what she's wearing today. Look what he's wearing today. Look what they're doing today. Look what they get to do today. And it just, and inside it's killing you. So how do we see, what's the destructive cycle? And this is what's so incredible. What, what's, how do we see the sh destruction of comparison? Very quickly, for the sake of time, I'm gonna have to rattle them off with a little background. Because what I've discovered over and over in my life is there's a little Saul in us all. Push your neighbor and say, there's a little Saul in us all. 
and all. Here's what we find. First of all, by comparison, if you're taking notes, which I know you are because you're great Cedarville students. First of all, here's what we find. Comparison makes you resentful of what others have. You, you can't enjoy when God blesses somebody else. And, and, and I want you to see this in the text. Here's where it begins. Look where it says, verse eight. Saul was very angry at this refrain. This pleased him greatly. For why? They've credited David with tens of thousands. He thought, and then here's the, here's the word. Here's the word. It, it just, the spirit ripped us off the pages. I was studying this several years ago that challenged me. He said, but me. Push your neighbor and say, but me. See, this is where comparison starts. Comparison starts when you're looking at somebody else's life and you go, whoa, 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 whoa. What about me? I mean, it's great you got a ring before spring, but what about me? 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 What about me and what I want and how I want it? God, I, I'm not saying curse them, but what I'm saying is, what about my blessing? What about me? And we get so consumed on me, 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 that we just, we're waiting in this moment. We're constantly just going, me, 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 me. And we, we eyes off of everybody else because we get consumed on me. And in reality, in that moment, we get really angry Why are you being blessed and I'm not? I'm trying to get through zoology and you don't even study and you get A's. I, I, have, to, I have to write detailed notes and I'm lucky if I get a 60. What about me? Why, why can't I be that smart? What about me? And this destroys me. It destroys you. It destroys us. And the reason it destroys us is because God caused you to bless people, not to curse people. But I can't bless people I'm competing against. You tracking with this? Well, don't look at me like you're smug and pious. Because I know, I know men's basketball. Now, you don't, you don't wish that their all-star leading score breaks his leg. But you pray, God, we at least let him tweak his ankle a little bit. Because I'm competing. When I compete, I want to what? I want to what? I want to what? And in order to win, I have to destroy you. See, I can't bless you if I feel like I'm competing against you. This is how comparison destroys us because, in, in fact, Peter says what? Bless, that's your calling. Do you realize that the greatest means that you'll have influence in the world around you is when you live as people of blessing. That's what you've been called to do. But I can't bless people if I'm constantly looking around me saying, who's the competition around me? I become very resentful. Second, comparison makes you critical, critical of what you have. This is where it's dangerous. See, Saul could not enjoy what God was doing because his eyes were on what David was doing. The, the most sick, twisted, demonic influence of comparison is it destroys your ability to enjoy the moment right now. Now. Why? Because you're always looking, thinking that what you need is something more. 
Look at the text. It's, it's rich. Verse eight, Saul was very angry at this refrain for it displeased him greatly. That amazes me because Saul was king, y'all. Think about this. Saul wasn't a peasant. Saul was king. I mean, you, you realize, you, you know your, your, your Bible stories. You, you know how Saul became king. I mean, he was there because of popular opinion. He was head and shoulders over everybody else. So he was good looking. Saul's that type of guy who never has to do ab workout. Yet he has a 12 pack all the time. Those guys that we can't stand. I mean, here's Saul. He, he's, I, I picture Saul, Dr. White. I picture Saul as a six foot 10 heavyweight UFC fighter. That's how I picture, picture Saul. I mean, he was a man. When you were going in the battle, you wanted the Saul. And so everybody, you know, Saul had it all. He had power. He had success. He had wealth. He had influence. He had all this stuff. All of it. I mean, think of this. All of it. And yet he goes. He says this. What more? What more? What, what more can he get? This is a guy who has it all, but in the moment, he, he can't see it. He can't say, thank you, God, you made me king. Thank you, God, for the house. Thank you, God, for the people. Thank you, God, for my family. Thank you, God. I can't count the blessing because I want more. More, 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 more. I want more. And it's not that I'm against God blessing you. I just want more than what you have. I want to be happier, skinnier, stronger, richer, smarter. I'm not against you. I love you. I just want more of that. See, Saul, Saul in that moment is David, David, David. What more? What more? What more? What more? What more? This needless constant more, more, more. It keeps us from enjoying what God has blessed us currently with. This is why Ecclesiastes 6, 9 says, enjoy what you have rather than desiring what you don't. But I can't enjoy what I have if my eyes are on you. See, I can't enjoy my blessing until my eyes are on you. You know, my life was I had a nice 50-inch screen TV. I put it on the wall. I was so proud of it. Until I walked in my buddy's house and he had a 100-inch OLED TV on his wall. And at that point, I hated my little 50-inch TV. See, I didn't know I needed a TV that big until I went to my friend's house. And in that moment, something, something just came in, right? This is the power of comparison. I wanted more. I wanted more. I want more, I want more, I want more. And it pushes us in the moment to keep looking around. And, and we go, I, I, I didn't realize, I didn't realize that uh, I wanted that till I saw you with it. The reason some of you feel so lonely is you, you keep searching on social media for everybody going out on dates. And you go, I, I want more of that. I want more, you're feeding this this destructiveness is in you because you're going, more, more, more. I want more. Enjoy what you have. See, God has blessed you with so much incredible things. This is why it says in Colossians 3.15, let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. Well, how? Always be what? 
thankful. When I, I tell you what, I love my wife, but man, sometimes she just, whew, she says some of the mmm, mmm things to me. Here's what she says to me. I'm in a funk. You ever been in a funk? Can I get some of the real people here? Put off the fakeness. You ever been in a funk? I've been in a funk. Ooh, funk, funk, funk. I'm not talking like funky monkey like it's fun funk. I'm talking like funk. It's funk. And I remember being in one and my wife coming up and I couldn't, I can't stand her. Here's what she asked me. Tell me five things that you're grateful for in life right now. And I said, shut up. I'm telling y'all, I'm telling you, pray for me. I'm vile. I'm telling you, I got a long way to go in my sanctification process. I was like, no. And in that moment, I did not want to tell her what I was thankful for, or how I could see God moving, because in the moment I couldn't see God was moving. That's when you know it's demonic, right? That's when you know something is operating sinister within you, this destroying you. And this is what it does. See, the way to fight it is I have to be thankful, 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 thankful every day. Thankful every day. Wake up. God, I'm going to give you praise. I'm going to give you praise. I'm going to give you praise. I have I've been Psalm 118.1. I, I can't get over it. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good for his love endures forever. I haven't. I've, tell you, I've tried to get through the whole text. I can't go through the first sentence without breaking down. I'm going, God, I pray every day I can give thanks to you because I see you as good. You see, this is the choice. I'm not going to compare because I'm going to get critical. I'm going to rejoice in the Lord always. I'm going I'm to praise the Lord at all times, give thanks to the Lord. And then finally, the cycle. It begins resentfulness, turns to criticalness, and then it leads to insecurity. Comparison makes you insecure about who you are. Did you feel incredibly insecure in life because we constantly compare ourselves to other people around us? See, he says, when Saul saw, I like that. When Saul saw how successful he was, David was, he was afraid of him. Fear at times will, fear so many times will masquerade in your life as humility. You're not being humble, you're being afraid. Whoa, you know, oh no, no, I'm a, I'm a nobody. That's not humility, that's pity. And my fear for you is so many of you have been taught that pity is a, a godly character. Pityness is not a godly character, humility is. And we get in the season, we get in points that we feel afraid, afraid that somebody else is going to be better than us, afraid that other people are greater than us, afraid because we see all these things. You see, Dr. White, we had it a little bit easier when we were in school. We had some clear metrics that we could determine how popular we were. For example, I walk into a middle school cafeteria. Still to this day, I have to go to therapy because of the trauma of middle school cafeteria times. Because you walk in, you know how popular you are in middle school based on who you sit with in the cafeteria, right? So I remember walking in. I can know where I'm at popularity-wise if I have nobody sitting with me or 10 people sitting with me. Pretty quick, I can tell how where I'm at, right? Pretty quick. Or how am I with the ladies? Well, that's pretty easy. I asked 20 ladies to be my valentine. 
and I get zero responses. No, 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 no. I know I'm not doing good with the ladies, right? But, but see, you, you don't have to go to school anymore and you don't even have to hang out with other people. You can be in your own bedroom alone, all of a sudden searching, seeing how many likes they have, how many wants they have, how, what they have that you don't have. And in that moment, that's when the evil one starts because you're a failure. Because no one wants you. No one desires you. No one cares for you. Because even if God loved you, look, he would bless you with this, but he hasn't blessed you, so who are you? And it's easy to get sucked down this spiral that we pick up our phones every day and say, mirror, mirror on the gram, show me how liked I am. How do I stack up? How successful am I? Never before has a generation had so much but are so disappointed and so anxious and so depressed. He says he got his eyes off of what God wanted him to do and began to get his eyes off on what David was doing. See, the danger of it in that moment is when you begin to shift your eyes off what God wants onto what other people want, you, you're, 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 your questions change. You, if you're focused on God, you begin to say, God, what is important? What is important? What is important? What is important? When you shift your eyes to you, my question begins to be, what do I need to prove to you that I'm important? That's a different question. And that will determine the direction of your whole entire life. See, what you need is not more of something. I, I don't need more of what you got. Because the problem is not more. The problem is my eyes. What am I going to focus on? What am I going to fix my eyes on? Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything. Shout everything. Come on, there's freedom in this. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to proclaim freedom over you. Everything you can throw off. You don't have to live with that bondage anymore. You don't have to live sucking in comparison anymore. You don't have to live feeling like a failure anymore. You don't have to live feeling like you're defeated anymore. You don't have to live with this sense of pity or pride. You don't have to live that way. You can throw it off, throw it off, throw it off, throw it off, throw it off. Everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles us. And so let us run. Push your neighbor and say, let us run. Let us run. Now, here's what I'm saying, because sometimes you hear this and you go, well, fine, I won't do anything. I won't compare my life to anybody. I'll just do what I want. I'll, I'll move back home, smoke weed and play Xbox every day in my mom's basement. <laughs> that would be a bad idea, just so we're correct. He's not saying do nothing. He's saying run, get up and run, 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 push forward, go hard. We need entrepreneurs. We need innovators. We need faithful men and women. We need them to keep on going. Let us run with perseverance. The race marked out for us. Now, hold up. That's the word. God says, I got a race for you. See, it's your race. It's no one else's race. 
God says, you need to stay in your lane. I got a race for you. And see, our God's not stingy. Do you realize we don't have to compete? We all can be blessed. That's how abundant our God is. He says, I have a plan for you, a plan not to harm you, but to prosper you. I plan to bless you so that you can live for the kingdom and make a difference, but you can't live for the kingdom if you keep focused on other people. So he says, there's a race, there's a race, there's a race. Stay in your lane. There's a race. That God has anointed you to do only what you could do. It's the reason he knitted you together in your mother's womb. And you look at your imperfections and say, well, he wouldn't use me. I got a stuttering problem. I'm not tall enough, short enough. I'm not big enough. I'm not skinny enough. I'm not this. I'm not that. I have a learning disability. All these things. We throw them up before God. And God says, hey, I want you to know something. I created you for a purpose in even your weaknesses. I didn't need somebody who had it all together. I needed you. And I want to move through you and work through you. I love you. That's why I sent Christ. He says, you got to realize there's a race only you can make. Well, how? How do I go through this race? Fixing our eyes on, what are you going to fix your eyes on? Him, her, them, that, more, it's a moving target. You, you'll never get to the point you go, I've made it. Listen, Dr. White, if we came up here and you, we did an interview, we were real. We still feel like a failure and we're imposters at what we do. You, you never get to a stage where you go, I made it. Doesn't happen. It's a facade. And it's the trickery of the devil to keep you from the very thing that God has for you. So fix your eyes on who? 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 Jesus. Come here. Come here, Josiah. I got to do something. This is my son. I love him. I miss him at home because I can't use him for illustrations. <laughs> so you stand there. You stand there right over there. I stand here. I, I know. Give me, give me one minute. I'll close this up. We go, this is my race. Fixing my eyes on Jesus. Why? He's the pioneer and perfecter. Perfecter means he's going to give me everything I need to accomplish what he's called me to do. Do you hear that? I'm not lacking. I'm abundantly blessed because he's going to take me where I need to go. But Josiah's over here and look at your course. But I look at him and go, Ooh, I don't know. He's from my same DNA, but he's taller than me. I wish I had his height. I wish I had his smarts. I wish I had him. I wish I could dress like him, look like him, be like him. We start, we start just like, wow, I want him. So here's what we do. We got our race. But we say, if I just had what he had, get on my back. <laughs> I'm going to run. I'm going I'm to run the race. I'm running. 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 Oh. Dr. Mac, I'm, I'm running. I'm running. I'm running. This looks so silly. But yet, this is what? Thank you. This is what I'm doing. I don't have to run with him on me. I don't have to do it. Like that. 
Sorry, I'm going to ruin your shirt. I'll buy you a new one. Sit down. You have a race. You have the perfecter who will give you everything you need to be successful. You see, I know who I am because I know whose I am. And because I know my Savior, Lord, I know nothing can stop what you want to do in my life because you have ordained me, you have anointed me, you have gifted me, you've created me to run my race. Keep my eyes off David and let me fix him on Jesus. Lord, that's our prayer. Let us fix our eyes on you, Jesus. Let us drop the comparison, so we can live in freedom. It's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. And would you shout amen. amen. I'll see you tomorrow. I love you.